Today's scripture reading is from Acts 7, 55 through 60. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. And then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks, thanks be, be to, to God. God. Well, good morning. It's an honor to be back in this sanctuary. The last time I was here was just over a little two years ago, and Pastor Jenny was just about to arrive. And now it's been two years that you have gotten to know her, and I'm sure that like when I did when I met Jenny in seminary, you immediately found out that she is not only an excellent pastor, but someone who is a lifelong friend. Can I get an amen? amen? Yes. And while Jenny is worshiping in Africa this morning, and we are worshiping here in Portola Valley, we have heard multiple times through our call to worship, through our singing, and even through our scripture, that distance, be it geographic or life and death, cannot separate us. So today we celebrate, we celebrate with Jenny, we celebrate with our loved ones. We celebrate Christians throughout the span of time. On Friday, uh, my daughter's school celebrated Dia de los Muertos. It is the Day of the Dead. My daughter goes to Fiesta Gardens, which is a Spanish immersion school. And I sent her to school with pictures of our loved ones. And they put them on the ofrenda, and each picture had a piece of candy attached to it to sweeten the journey home and to make the celebration even more sweet. And while celebrations like this have become more popular, especially with movies like Disney's Coco, there is still something very countercultural about celebrating the past, about stepping out of the present and taking time to remember loved ones, of pausing and celebrating All Saints Day, of wearing white robes, shall we say, and saying ancient words, singing ancient songs, and remembering our loved ones. And while I'm sure there are a lot of loved ones that we all want to remember and we're eager to celebrate, I started thinking, what about those loved ones who maybe we don't want to celebrate? What about the people perhaps no one wants to celebrate? 
And I'm not alone in this pondering, for back in 2011, Henry Borga, a practicing Catholic, requested that a mass be said on behalf of none other than Osama bin Laden. This request was so radical that it caught the attention of the US Times that ran an article entitled, What Would Jesus Do? Florida Church to Pray on Sunday for Osama bin Laden. Can you imagine what it would be like in that sanctuary? Now thinking back to the first couple weeks after bin Laden's death, I saw many articles about how he died and what would happen next, but this was the very first article I had seen that brought to life the words of Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm not sure if you remember your reaction to the news, but there were some who rejoiced at bin Laden's death, cheering outside of Ground Zero and waving American flags celebrating. And while I'm not one to cheer at anyone's passing, I'll admit that my reaction was more a sigh of relief than asking God to forgive this misguided man. However, for some, for those affected by the tragedies of 9-11, for those who have experienced injustice at the hands of a dictator, this news could not have come soon enough. And so praying for someone who had caused them so much pain and destruction was unthinkable. Yet in our scripture reading for this morning, we learn that this radical act of praying to God and asking for forgiveness is exactly what Stephen did in the last moments of his life. Stephen chose not to curse his enemies at a time where he would have been justified to do so, but instead asked for forgiveness for them. He used his last breath to show compassion and love for others. So before we go much further into our sermon, we must ask ourselves, who is this person? Who is Stephen that he could forgive his enemies at the very moment that his life would be taken from him? But first, let's pray. Gracious God, as we explore the power of faith and forgiveness, May the Holy Spirit enable us to deepen our faith and expand our capacity to forgive. Amen. Looking to Acts chapter 6, we learn that Stephen was a Hellenistic Jew, one of seven chosen to care for the widows of Jerusalem and to help with the daily distribution of food. A man of good standing Stephen is described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, full of grace and power, who did great wonders and signs amongst the people. Stephen is also recognized as one of the first deacons of the church, an ordained officer in a local congregation like this, who ministers to others with care and witness and service. We have this ministry today. In fact, if you have been 
or are a deacon, can you just raise your hand? All right, well, thank you for your service. You carry on Stephen's legacy today. If Stephen were alive, he might be a volunteer at the local food pantry, or like a couple weeks ago, he might work on a Rise Against Hunger food assembly line, serving both food and spiritual nourishment to anyone in need. He might be known for his kindness and his warm smile. And perhaps while he is working, he strikes up a conversation with the person next to him, and he can't but help talk about God's goodness and about God's love and about God's forgiveness. In fact, Stephen could be any one of us while we fill the bins at Second Harvest Food Bank or serve at Life Moves or gather clothing for those in need. Stephen is alive in us when we stop and talk to someone who is lonely. And so through the ministry of Stephen and the other deacons, scripture reports how the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Yet Stephen, with all the good he was doing, all the help and all the preaching, was not very popular among the synagogue and communities of faith. Instead of seeing him as a friend and a colleague, they saw him as an enemy. And whenever Stephen spoke, they would argue with him. And when they discovered that they were no match for his wisdom and spirit, they secretly got some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God and they stirred up all the elders and the scribes, and they confronted him, and they seized him, and they brought him before the council. And the high priest asked him, Are these things so? And then Stephen replied, giving the priest and all who were in earshot an account of the history of Israel from the beginning to the end. If you ever want to read this account, I encourage you just to go back to our scripture reading from this morning and start at the beginning and hear the story of Israel as Stephen tells us. Hear our story as Stephen tells it. And he begins to explain how the people of Israel have this horrible habit of rejecting the people that God sends them to instruct them. People that we would know and love, people like Joseph and Moses, the prophets, and Jesus, and then, of course, Stephen. Stephen doesn't stop there. He, he doesn't hold back. Instead, he points out to the high priest that they have not only been ignoring the prophets, but the Holy Spirit. And while they might have received the law, they have failed to obey it. Well, needless to say, after hearing Stephen's speech, the crowd went wild and Acts 7 notes that they became enraged and they ground their teeth at Stephen. I often pause when reading this text and just wonder, where am I sitting with this text right now? And I wonder where we might be sitting with this today. Perhaps we can relate to the high priests. We've heard the scriptures, but have a hard time obeying. 
maybe we can relate to Stephen. We're trying to do good. We're trying to preach the gospel, but we just keep getting a hard time from those around us. They don't understand what we're about. Perhaps we're like the people in the crowds. We see everything happening and we don't like our participation in it, but we feel helpless to stop and turn the narrative around. Under these hostile circumstances, with people literally grinding their teeth and being argumentative with him, we might give Stephen a pass if he, like Jesus before him, got mad and upturned the tables and things went flying everywhere. But instead of getting angry, our scripture tells us that Stephen's face was like the face of an angel. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen actually gazed into heaven and cried out saying, Look, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Somehow amidst all the chaos, the false accusations, and the cruel treatment, Stephen was able to keep his mind. All right, well, going back right into to Psalm 31, it says this. And you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 31. Reflecting on these words, it's impossible not to ask ourselves, who do we go to when we are in times of trouble? Who do we turn to for help? In the movie, The Preacher's Wife, starring Whitney Houston, she sings the gospel anthem, I go to the rock. And she belts out how in times of trouble, she goes to the rock of her salvation. She goes to the rock that the builders rejected. She goes to the mountain, and here she's referencing God, and she says, I go to the mountain, and the mountain, he stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking in sand, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. When I need a fortress, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. For others, going to a walk, going to nature, is a way that they remember God. Brother Lawrence, a Carmelite monk in Paris, believed that common business, no matter how small, could be turned over to God and therefore become an act of praise. As he did little things, he would say, I turn this cake for God. I sweep this floor for God. And so also Stephen, serving as a deacon in the church, helping those in need, was able to keep his eyes focused on God when he needed it the most. Returning to our scripture, we discover that as Stephen spoke, the crowds, they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city, and they stoned him. Yet while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then they knelt and and then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, 
do not hold this against them. And after he said this, he died. Become one, become one of the first martyrs of the Christian church and echoing Christ's words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You see, Stephen was like Jesus before him and asked God to forgive others in his final moment. Stephen was like Jesus before him and cared for the poor. Stephen was like Jesus before him and spread the good news of God's love. Stephen, like Jesus before him, reached out to God in his hour of need. Going back to the beginning of our time together, we ask this question. How does one find it in their hearts to say a prayer for someone who is persecuting them? How does one find it in his or her heart to say a prayer for the head of a global terrorist network, of an enemy of someone we dislike, or someone who has caused us or a friend harm? By following in the footsteps of Jesus and of Stephen, by becoming a deacon for Christ, by caring for those around us, and by talking to others of God's love. Now, I'm not saying that if you are faithful, forgiveness will come easily. Forgiveness can be hard at times. But I am saying that through the grace of God, we can forgive the unforgivable, we can love the unlovable, and we can pray for those who might not even have the courage to pray for themselves. So this week, I invite you to strengthen your faith in God, be it by singing to God in nature like Whitney Houston, by turning everyday tasks into prayers like Brother Lawrence, or by taking a walk in these gorgeous hills. So that the next time you are faced with adversity, the next time you are called upon to forgive, your faith will be strengthened, and you will be able to meet that challenge with God's love and forgiveness. Amen.